Hello, and thank you for joining us today on Geezers of Gear, episode number 185. Today's podcast is brought to you by Elation Lighting. Elation is simplifying ellipsoidal lighting with the new all-in-one KL Profile FC. The KL Profile FC combines everything a designer needs in one innovative lighting package, eliminating the need for additional accessories. With an integrated manual zoom range of 7 degrees to 50 degrees, the KL Profile FC requires no additional lens tubes, reducing cost and complexity. It features full-spectrum RGBMA color mixing, full blackout manual framing, and ships with a designer gobo set containing 10 high-resolution glass gobos. Shipping now. The all-in-one KL Profile FC may be the most cost-effective ellipsoidal lighting solution on the market today. Check it out at www.elationlighting.com. Well, hello there, and thank you for joining us today on Geezers of Gear, episode 185. Uh, Today is going to be another fun one. We've had a really good run lately on episodes, on podcasts, on guests especially, and today is absolutely not going to disappoint. Patrick Dearson, a good friend and a great conversation every time. So really looking forward to having Patrick on again today. And uh, just seeing what he's up to and getting updates on his gig, his thing, what he's doing. He's been very busy, like most of you. So, um, yeah, that'll be fun. So just quickly, a couple things I wanted to mention today. Uh, Number one is if you follow us on any of the social media platforms, you probably have noticed that we've launched this coffee blend. It's called Geezer's Grind. It's through a company called Coffee Cult. And Coffee Cult was founded by a gentleman named Jamie Martis, who comes from our industry. He actually used to work with me uh, back in the Comar days. And prior to that, he was uh, tech. He was a roadie. And so Jamie's a great guy. He, um, <clears throat> he kind of did it the old-fashioned way. He kind of fell in love, got a passion for something, which was coffee. And like many of us do, he took it a bit too far. And next thing you know, he was roasting his own beans in his garage. And he was flying around, finding better beans in different jungles and stuff. And lo and behold, over time, it turned into, uh, it went from a passion to a business. And so Coffee Cult was born. It is based in Hollywood, Florida. I have been drinking his coffee for the last couple of years. I love it. It's the best coffee I've had, literally. I'm not saying this because I you know, am sponsored by or any of those things. I literally love his coffee. I've been buying it for years. I don't uh, you know, get any special discounts or premiums or anything. Uh, I just like the coffee. And plus, I like to support friends and, and you know, it's got an industry feel to it. Um, So the blend that I was drinking was a combination of two of his beans. One, I believe his darkest, strongest bean, which is called uh, Road Dog. And then 
another one, which is just his plain medium roast. And so Road Dog was a little too strong and medium roast was definitely too weak. And uh, so what I was doing is I, uh, what I was doing is mixing those just in my kitchen and blending them together and then grinding them and, and uh, having coffee that way. And it was sort of the perfect blend for me. And so, um, I don't know, a couple of months ago, Jamie, who owns the company, and I started talking. And I said, you know, you should just do a custom blend for me that has those beans mixed together. And that's how it started. And then it became, why don't we brand it under Geezers of Gear and call it Geezers Grind? And then he came up with the idea of actually donating the proceeds of that coffee to a charity, an industry charity. And so we reached out to a few. The one we settled on was Roby Backstage, which um, I don't know if it's run by Craig Burroughs, but Craig Burroughs certainly has a lot to do with it. He's the one who directed me to it. He's the one I talked to and put together with Jamie to get this done. And so literally Jamie makes no profit. I make no profit. I'm out there promoting it. He's making it and packaging it and shipping it and everything else. And uh, we're doing it just to help people in the industry. And the cool thing about Roby Backstage, not that we're supporting the brand Roby, but Roby Backstage, 100% of the money that comes into them as charity uh, goes out. So they don't take any fees or management costs or anything like that. It's 100% in, goes out. And um, so currently, one of the one of the... Other parts of this story that's amazing, uh, beautiful, sad, is that a gentleman that many of us know, I've known him for 30 plus years now, Mike Krager from Upstaging, is actually currently one of the people who is being supported by Roby Backstage. He's, if you don't know, he has had a sort of devastating illness I won't get into, but um, you know, just life-changing illness, debilitating, you know, he's stuck at home in bed. And um, his insurance ran out, of course. So uh, as expensive as it is to survive this illness, he has no insurance and it's pretty much killed him financially. And so Roby Backstage came to his rescue. And so it's really nice to know that I actually know the recipient of some of the money that's coming from uh, this geezer's grind thing. So Number one, it is great coffee. So you're not buying junk for the purpose of uh, a charity. You're actually buying the exact same stuff I've been drinking every day for a couple of years. And I believe it's probably one of the best coffee beans there is. And number two, you know, literally 100% of the proceeds from your purchase goes to Roby Backstage. 100% of Roby Backstage intake goes straight out. No fees are taken. So no hands are touching this at all. Um, so again, you, you win sort of, it's like double dipping. You're winning twice. You, you win on great, great coffee, good product. Uh, you're not paying a premium. You're not paying any higher. You pay the same price that I would pay if I went and bought it on their website. Um, by the way, side little hint here, buy two because then shipping is free. You got to be over $50 or you could buy one and buy something else. But as long as it's over $50, shipping is free in the United States. <clears throat> I don't believe it's yet available in Canada or in Europe, but I'm happy to deliver some to Canada or Europe uh, on my journeys. Um, so there you go. Uh, to get it, you go to www.coffee with a K, cult with a K, so coffeecult.com slash products slash geezers dash grind, or just go to coffeecult, K O F F E E K U L T dot com 
and just look for geezers and you'll find it. I think it's right on their homepage now because it's a new blend. So um, thank you for supporting that. I appreciate it. And let us know. Send me a comment. Send me an email, geezers at gearsource.com. Let me know if you like it and recommend it to friends and family. It is literally going to help people in our industry who need the help most. Um, Secondly, uh, I am going to a conference today. By the time you listen to this, I will have probably already gone to it. Um, It's a mobile staging conference. I didn't really know anything about it about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. And uh, Dustin from Elation, just Marcel, you got to be here. You got to be here. You got to be here. So it's only about an hour from my house. It's in Bahia Mar, which is in Fort Lauderdale. And so I'm looking forward to seeing some friends there. I know Eric Loader from Elation is in town. Um, I believe uh, uh, David Sullivan from Pioneer Pro is in town. So, you know, lots of friends, lots of people I've known for a long time. A lot of people in the industry are going to be there. I talked uh, with somebody on my team at GearSource who said that a client from Canada is flying in for this. So I guess it's a big deal. So if you happen to be in South Florida, it's probably too late because it happened today, February 8th. So um, with that said, that's about all I have to say today. So um, I look forward to the following discussion with lighting designer extraordinaire and got all kinds of things going on that we're going to talk about. So uh, let's welcome on Patrick Dearson. So first thing, did you happen to catch the, uh, some have called it the state of confusion speech, but the state of the <laughs> union speech last night? I, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing, but I did, uh, specifically go research the highlights of it and yeah. boy, were there highlights. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it, I, I think it really... It, it really speaks to this ridiculous level of division that we've got going on right now. Um, when, when you have a sitting president make a remark and a, 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 a remark about his opposing party and the entire party without hesitation stands up, boos and screams liar. Yeah. That At that point, you, you kind of, no matter what side of the political fence you sit on you have to go ah, you know this clearly needs to be looked into because he's probably saying what he think is right here and definitely pushing the the message that he wants but in the same vein i'm a little skeptical that the details are being conveyed to us the way we they, they should be conveyed well Patrick, because clearly you had 50 percent of that population go what the hell this is you're lying dysfunctional. that's what i'm seeing right completely now. dysfunctional we Doesn't have work. i don't even remember how many people are in each of these things but we have hundreds of people let's call it in a room who are all being paid by us by our tax dollars and a president Indeed. who's being paid by our tax dollars none of them really seem to give a shit what we want or what we need I don't care what party you're in. They're both screwed up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, I mean, the behavior just doesn't lead me to feel confident, regardless of who is elected out of that room, unless you find somebody who's not in the room, uh, you know, who is really smart. And sadly, you know, one of the things I'm starting to hear a lot about is smart, good, uh, sensible honest people don't run for office. <laughs> you know, they don't run for Congress. They don't run for Senate and they certainly no, don't run to be president. It's tough. And the, and the, there are a few in there that I do think are, are extremely well-intentioned. 
and unfortunately they belong to to the third parties and yes. they they just don't have the the clout behind them um you know, you've, you've got a lot of these guys that have, that have warned for years of the very things that are happening uh, within yeah. both our political system and our country and the economy and, and globally foreign policy. And they just get pushed. Yeah, 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 whatever. You're not one of the two. So just get to the side. We didn't, we're not going to discuss Well, this. you know, the other thing, I mean, the thing that's so frustrating, I think, and we'll get off of this topic because I know neither of us wants to talk about politics very long. And I'm positive <laughs> none of our audience wants to listen yeah, to really. politics. But, um, you know, it's the crazy thing about today's day and age is you can say these people can say whatever the hell they want and... You're supposed to just believe it, right? And I mean, even in this speech last night, obviously the president said some things that were, uh, you know, naughty little lies. And leading up to the speech, both sides said some naughty little lies. The Republicans answer that speech with their own version of lies. So mm -hmm. they don't just go back to the center. Like they don't take this lie that's way over here and bring it back to the middle and go, no, this would be more true. They take it too far. And and they make it untrue on the other side, you know. So it's just. I think it's with it's anything, you know. When, when you're when you're discussing a tug of war, yeah, which is exactly what this is. You you don't get the flag back to the middle by being gentle. You yeah. have to slam it. Yeah, you got to tug the to guy the other into side the mud puddle to, to win. Yeah. yeah, and and you're, you're seeing this with with, with just about everything. In society, you have the the massive underreaction and then the massive overreaction, and this is yeah. this just well, Obama then Trump. The time. <laughs> you know, that's that's just how it yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah, you just you know? it just bounces. And then from Biden, one side. and then God knows what's next after Biden because it's going to go extreme yeah. the other way again, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or some other you know crazy person or someone on on the left again. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but, you know, I but I, but I, I will say that to to like you said to, to blindly follow this stuff to not question any of it is, is is doing yourself an incredible disservice because you should want to research things beyond the headline because mm -hmm. the the headline and the sensationalism of that absolutely should never quell you as a person yeah and, and i agree temp it down yeah um, i agree you know we, but, we you see know, this the bad constantly behavior with... just needs to stop from these people too like you know uh, what's her name? Marjorie Taylor Green, you know, standing mm. up and yelling and heckling and all that stuff. I understand you're passionate, but sit down and shut up, you know, like it's not the time or place. And, you know, to me, yeah. that absolutely offsets the stupid shit that Pelosi did in the in the last Trump one when she ripped up the speech at the end. You know, it's disrespectful. It's stupid. We don't want to see that kind of behavior from people that we're paying to. But that this being said, country. that's entertainment. I mean, have you ever watched a UK yeah. Parliament meeting? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fun. Canada's pretty fun too. Canada's yeah. fun. Like they're practically throwing eggs at each other while you know they re they rebut back and forth. I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen the Canadian one, but the Prime Minister, you know, has to just be dragged through the mud and called all kinds of names every time he says something. Right? It's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, but uh, I I believe we have an extremely tame version. <laughs> comparison, yeah, yeah, we you know? do. Just the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene jumps up and says something like, "Oh, really?" That yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. It took one one lunatic to to snap. Okay, great. 
I, you know, the funny thing is though, you more than you, more than most people in this industry have kind of opened up a little bit on your politics. Like, you know, I follow you on Instagram, your Instagram stories are usually leaning one direction or more one direction. You're not a crazy one. Like you're not a crazy person on that direction, (laughs) except for for that uh, second amendment stuff, you know, but aside from that, you know, everyone needs 4,000 guns in an arsenal locked up in their house somewhere, right? Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, if, if, you're, if you if you like me and collect stuff, that's one thing. But if you're doing it because you're legitimately paranoid the end is coming and they're coming yeah. to get you, it's, that's, that's a little nuts. Yes, um, it is. I don't, I I don't know if you saw the, the Instagram posts I did a few months ago where I also admitted um, that because I, 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 I like to weaponize social media at different times. <laughs> well, um, at least because, you admit it. Most people don't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, social media is always weaponized against the general public. And mm. I, I looked at it very early in its infancy. and went, yeah, well, if you can do that, why can't I do that? I, I, can, mm-hmm. I can turn it into something. Um, and I admitted on, on Instagram that I had kind of specifically gone out of my way to make myself look sociopolitically insane <laughs> for a very specific reason. Yeah. And and I think it's sort of topical of what we're discussing here. You talk about division. Um, one of the things I absolutely cannot stand, and, and it's why I had done this, um, was the, you know, our industry obviously leans quite left. When you work in the arts, you you know, you're 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 gonna be tend to be left leaning in your political views. Um which which I am in many instances. I, I know it certainly doesn't come across that way, but I've gone out of my way not to look that way on social media. Um, one of the most rather disgusting behaviors I've witnessed over the past five, six years now has been the um, the shunning of people because of their political leanings. Yeah, absolutely. And, and firstly, we never did that in our history because we never knew people's political leanings. It, it, when you worked with people, you didn't really. Well, we didn't give a get, shit. Well, why I do didn't. we give a shit now? We shouldn't. But social media has propagated the ability for people to project themselves and their views so openly that now we know all these things about each other that we never really knew and and didn't care about at the time but now we have this you know self altruism of having to make a stand because social media gives the average person the false sense that they're actually important you know yeah. back in the day to be on a tv screen you had to be doing something rather remarkable Nowadays, we're all carrying TV screens with a camera. We're all our own little reporters, mm. and it's not special to be broadcast. Yeah, so it's lost that now. thing. Yeah. yeah, and it's great that people can have a voice and and be a little more outspoken and generate awareness about things. But it's not okay to then decide that you're going to start blacklisting people because they don't line up exactly yeah. the way you do and. I've watched through social media, all of these people become shunned by a lot of other people. And it, it, it goes both ways. Yeah. But the thing I was, I found most disgusting was you have a massive outcry from those working in theatrical arts, 
and, and entertainment for inclusivity. We've had inclusivity jammed down our fucking throats for years. Is it important? Absolutely, without a doubt. It should never have gotten to this point. But when you're screaming inclusivity and then you're blacklisting people because of their political beliefs, that's hypocrisy. It kind of is, right? It, it, yeah. It absolutely yeah. is. It's not yeah. kind of. That's hypocritical. And you don't do that. So if you want to be inclusive, don't don't start putting stipulations to it. And so but that's just like society, Patrick, because, you know, it's inclusive unless you're a rich white guy, <laughs> you know, rich white guys, you're, you're out, you're bad, you know, but everybody else, you know, uh, I'll give you an well, example, but, but, but I'll give you it's, an example it's just a political too whiny. My yeah. son racing driver, uh, there's advantages right now, massively in racing, which is a very expensive and very difficult sport to fund. Uh, and really, at the end of the day, it's not down to the most talented drivers. It's down to the most talented drivers who can also find the money to race, right? And um, right now, all the money is being spent on either girls or people of color or um, some sort of a other, you know, like there's even some stuff pushing trans and stuff in the mm -hmm. in the what's that got to do with racing? Any of that stuff like. To me, it, it doesn't, but it does inclusive. have to do with inclusivity. But this is also the the same issue I have with this whole concept of inclusivity and mm -hmm. and um, overdoing the need to discuss it. Right? Uh, uh, yeah. I had a, a very pointed conversation about uh, with with a a, a managing member uh, about LDI mm -hmm. two years ago. And, you know, we're coming back from the pandemic and things are scaled down. And I told this person, because they were, they were asking me, you know, what do you feel we did right? What do you feel we did wrong? How do you think the comeback's coming? We got into this whole thing. And I, I said, one thing I found particularly disturbing was every time I turned around, every aisle I went down, I was reminded about what a piece of shit I am. Yeah. What are you talking about? I said, well, everything was this over-the-top thing about inclusivity of people of color and women mm -hmm. and we can absolutely agree that white men run the industry it kind of is when you look at it you know no, pretty much true. every it's major true. business owner is a white man okay fine but you do know you're shoving this down the throats of those people most of whom already employ women and people of color and you're just shunning them now yeah and if you continue to do that and you continue to make them feel unwelcome they're gonna say fine we'll just take our dollars to infocom yeah and i agree with you piss off like and, and here's I, where I, I agree with you though like the the whole concept of inclusivity like when you say you know the business is is run by white men um is that by design or is did that just happen that way? In other words, you know, did what no, it, men... it happened because of why we we champion the need for inclusivity, because decades ago. People were disenfranchised and they were held back from having the same opportunity. So when we talk right. about things like, oh, there are now incentives in racing for people of color and women and trans back 
in the 50s and 60s, a black man tr- walking into a bank trying to get a loan, that was not incentivized yeah. Yeah, at that's all. True. There were that's incentives true. for white men to be getting yeah. that stuff. So yeah. we've swung the pendulum. Thank God. Yeah. There, there's never been a, a moment in time that has been more inclusive. And the 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 problem that I I, I see now when I walk a, a floor like that and have all the signage and everything flashing at me, who says now you can't do it? Mm-hmm. If a woman wants the inclusivity, please, miss, yeah. go get a loan, start a company, mortgage your house up against that loan, hang everything you have out there because that's all these white guys did. Yeah, You now have the opportunity to do that. And if you don't have the opportunity to do that, please take it up with fucking Chase and not Roby's booth. Like, I, what, <laughs> give me a break. Yeah. Like, no, I just go it. do I mean, it. It's, it's such a controversial topic, and I don't know why, because all the people I spend my time with don't care about color or race or uh, sex or any of those things. <laughs> yeah, Religion. I, I, I had somebody come to me and be like, well, why aren't you more vocal about it? And I, I lean back and said, well, first of all, you're asking me this question, this particular person. And so they said, me thinks thou doth protest too much. Yeah. I have employed and been employing every color, creed, sexual orientation, political belief, religious belief. It, I've done that for the last 30 years of my career. Me too. The, 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 the guy that's basically the second in command at my company is black. Mm. Why is he? He's not there because he's black. This He was not a diversity hire. This was a guy that went out of his way to elevate him his career in a way. And I'm talking about Justin Chatham. Yeah, of course. It became an absolutely phenomenal programmer, an even better personal friend. Yeah. And it's it, it just an amazing human being. Got nothing to do with the color of his skin. I mean, he, he's a different skin color than I completely differentiating political views, like different religious views. Who cares? We love each other. We're here to do good work. And if you're going to be inclusive, none of that should matter. So right. no, I don't feel well, like you shouldn't to even have to explain all there. that. Like I, I shouldn't have I to explain it, to it either. You know, no, I, we shouldn't have to explain those things. You know, I've, I've got and have had people who are gay. My company is probably more women now than it is men. Uh, I don't care. Like I labels don't matter to me. None of those labels matter to me. I couldn't care less. Good person, bad person. That's it. Those are the divisions for me. You're either a dickhead. Wake up every day and try to be less of a piece of shit than you were yesterday. I believe Buddha said that. It, it, you know, one of the other issues I have with all of this is it's always the entertainment industry screaming this stuff at the top of their lungs. Growing up in high school, when you're the outcast, you're the misfit. Mm-hmm. You're the kid that doesn't fit in. Well, that wasn't me, but the you can football team was me. What it was like because like, I was pretty awesome was. when I was in school. <laughs> I did not have that luxury. <laughs> I was a musician. I, I played in a band. I got out of school. I got notes from our manager. Marcel has to leave today at one o'clock for sound check. You know, and I was in the sixth grade Fantastic. or seventh grade. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I didn't have I didn't have things quite like that. My, how life, but you changed. know where you know where I had to 
a place to go with all the other misfits, the black box of the theater. Yeah. It was the most accepting and inclusive space that you could ever find. Yeah. And that continued as I progressed in the entertainment industry. We have traditionally been the most inclusive industry on the face of the planet. Yeah. Yeah. We got the biggest whiners about it. It's yeah. like you don't need well, to be doing that. Here's the other thing, though, Patrick. Other things. Like walking around LDI this year and and everywhere I go in our industry, whether it's backstage at a show or or LDI or whatever, I love the inclusivity. Like I love, I look around and I see more people of color, more girls, more everything than I've ever seen in our industry. And I love that. So I don't know if that's because of these diversity programs or if it just like everything else in our lives, you know, there's more diversity in everything because we're a more diverse society now. Like, and that's by population, by birth, by whatever. Uh, so anyways, I mean, it's, it's obviously a toxic topic, one that we probably shouldn't have even ventured into, but you know, I think we're both very rational people. And, um, well, I, I think it's an important, it, it's an, it's always an important topic, but of course. Let's, let's start there. The, the topic here is about how much you jam it down people's throats you right. know, because it's, it's, you know, everything in moderation. Yes. Address yeah. it. Yes. Embody it and live it. Yes. Encourage others yeah. to do so. But for the love of God, don't, you know, they, they paraded, they, there was a, a, a young girl, aspiring designer working in the industry called Ebony Madri. I had, I had made a, a point to bring this up in this original conversation with this person. I said, the only reason I know her name embedded into my brain is because you had her at everything. Mm. She was, when you, when you were, were touting inclusivity of people of color, she was at everything. When you were touting that women need to be, have more inclusivity, she was at everything. You paraded her around. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the complete antithesis. This isn't just an acceptance. This is is pushing. And and by the way, was she the only black woman that was able to come to LDI and and partake in this? Like, surely you could have diversified the 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 the, the attendees mm -hmm. in this to show you know that it's it's happened. Um, because I know plenty of people of color, people of of different sexualities and sexes that could easily have been there yeah that were walking the floor yeah but not made a part of of that it just seemed like it was it was just really heavy-handed well, and it, it's the whole sort it of was, way it was that very social, odd. it's the whole like what you started this conversation with social media um you know i do not typically express my views on social media and I don't have extreme views in any direction. You know, I, I know that people know that I vote, you know, Republican typically because uh, that probably more closely matches my beliefs when it comes to business specifically and, and fiscal responsibility and stuff like that. Um, but I'm Canadian, so I have a lot of liberal views as well. You know, that's just how I was born and raised. You know, uh, I don't like tripping over sick, starving people. You know, I want to help people, right? And, but I don't like being yelled at and, and I don't like 
being targeted and yelled at because you're a Trumpy. No, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm just a guy who yeah. runs a business and I'm trying to keep taxes low and and you know productivity high and people happy and fed and everything else. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would like to thrive. thrive and I would like my employees to thrive. Yeah. Absolutely. And there are incentives that, you know, one party is is going to reduce versus another one. Okay, fine. You know, it, that doesn't mean that that person now is the antichrist. Yeah. You know, and they, they this this touting that one side to the other nonsense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just know, and I, and I, I always joke cuz every everybody everybody just looks at, at my social media sees the guns and immediately is like He's got to be a Trump supporter. It's like, whoa, 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 slow down. But the funny thing is, I know, I know lots of guys with lots of guns who aren't, you know, who are uh, precisely, yeah. you know, and you know, I'm my, my everybody gets weirded out when I say all I want is for the nice gay couple down the street to be able to protect their marijuana plants with AR-15s, huh. you know, and, and like the yeah, what do you mean? That's like the most middle of the road thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and rec- I'm confused. And legalized recreational cocaine use too while we're at it. Oh, Go my for goodness. it. Wow. Can you imagine that? Well, we, we kind of started it in Pacific, Pacific Northwest. We started, uh, you know, decriminalizing at oh, least, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of hard, hard drugs and well, substances, which I know, think and is, again, let's, I let's think just, it's a good thing. Let's just step in another shit pile. You know, like to me, the more we legalize this stuff, I'm not seeing positive impacts from it, you know, and I've had arguments with people who are big weed people or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, it's it's saved a lot of people's lives and all of this stuff. I think people who are dying from, you know, cancer or something and they're using marijuana for that, they're going to get it. You know, whether you get it from the dealer down the road or you get it, we don't have to legalize for those. I'm sorry. People. You, you're going to you're going to get anything that's illegal. Pretty that's, much. You, you, you can do that if you have the intent and desire. Right. Right. But. Um, but now, the thing once is, again, like, going I, back to the, I've, I've just the, seen the, bad the, things happening because of it, you know. Well, it's so. it's that overreaction, underreaction. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. if you're going to have the overreaction of decriminalize it all, great. Don't have an underreaction to the mm. cleanup process that is going to be required for that because it is going to generate something. You know, it's going to generate something. You have to put that on the ballot to discuss. Mm. A, a, a pointed incident of this was Nevada. A few years ago, I think it was uh, it was a 2016 election, and the you, you know usually you have you're not just voting you know for for presidential stuff you you're voting on some specific uh, local questions that are asked. So you usually have two or three things that are on the the docket. Um, for Nevada, it was do we legalize recreational marijuana? Mm-hmm. The other the other question went hand in hand with it, but certainly didn't sound like it. It was a firearms question, and it was, do we vote to enforce a background check registration on personal sales of firearms? Because you already have to do that if you're going to a gun shop and buying a weapon. It's, that's just part of the process. But you didn't have that for... Passing it I would off to assume you're else. for that. Very much so. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me too. And I mean, I guess does that make us anti-Republican? No, it makes you have common because sense. Like, if you get a transfer a firearm, sense, yeah. it, well, you know, a lot of the the, the firearms laws and, and restrictions and everything, everybody on the the fire side of the firearms always screams and yells about is the fact that you're only doing that 
to the responsible gun owners who have their stuff legally and have gone through the appropriate process. You're mm-hmm. not stopping the criminal behavior that's going to happen, right? Yeah. One of the large criminal behavioral things was you could have somebody purchase a firearm for you as a convicted felon, and you could then just give them the firearm. Yeah. Right? Okay. So without a background check. That's crazy. So on that 2016 questionnaire uh, on, the, on the election, the Nevadans overwhelmingly approved recreational marijuana and approved that these private guns needed to have a background check and registration. And they went hand in hand because we knew there was going to be the next problem. You legalize marijuana, you have a lot of weed dealers that are going out of business, except they're not going out of business. They're going to change their product. So now MDMA, cocaine, that's they're just going to move up to selling something harder. Yeah. And those drugs tend to be associated with more violence in their transfer. Right. So now you're going to have a bunch of guns illegally purchased. Yeah. So you want to try and mitigate that. That you know, yeah. you're going to do one thing, you have to deal with the cleanup of the other. Right. And so when we see like, okay, well, they decriminalized all this stuff in the Pacific Northwest. It, yeah, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Not cleaning it up and not being prepared to deal with that aftermath, yeah. that's a failure. That makes loads and of sense, yeah. So you're going to love this one, Patrick. So, you know, again, the Canadian in me, I'm not a gun guy, right? Like, I think everybody has a right to have a gun or whatever. I have always believed it was a little extreme. Some of my friends, you being one of them, who have, you know, I don't even know the number, but a very large lots number, lots of, lots of guns. a very large number of of pretty scary looking weapons like this. This doesn't look like self-protection or self-defense. This looks like, you know, an arsenal to me. I don't see the need. Like I, I don't, you know, to me, that's, that's I, second I agree. amendment it's, stuff. There, there isn't a need. Yeah. Right. Like, right. But the second amendment, you, you get in, in one sense for home protection. The, the second amendment probably needs some updating because you know, you're a rational, reasonable guy for the most part. Uh, you know, a person whose mind isn't really straight, you know, having an arsenal of weapons the size of yours with the amount of ammunition you probably have stored as well could do real damage, <laughs> you know, and and maybe he wasn't crazy when he got the guns, but maybe he's crazy now. And uh yeah, so I don't know, man. I just I feel like in 2023, the way the world is today, I don't know that you need a hundred guns. I I just can't. No, you see, don't. I can't see it. I and and I don't have all of those guns because I feel a need for that level of protection. Yeah, I don't. I, I I just collect them and I target Wave shoot them around and, on social media. Wave <laughs> around social media. <laughs> Which I love, and, by the way. I love your freaking like New Year's <laughs> videos and stuff. Or Fourth of July last year, I was cracking up. Oh my god, standing on the yeah, table, but it's always you know going around in your underwear. I think joke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're sort of sort of making fun of you know the, the concept of, course, of all yeah, of that. It's, it's a caricature. Um, but going back to to the, asking about the State of the Union thing, one of the things pointedly put forth in the State of the Union was um, that guy, uh, Brandon, I forget his last name, um, who was the in in the California shooting at dance studio 
shooting um, that wrestled the I gun can't keep track out of, of the shootings, buddy. Yeah, know. it's a little, little, little stupid. Um, but this guy, he he was the hero. He he ran and saved countless right. lives by wrestling right. the weapon out of the hands of the the assailant. Oh, this was the uh, Vietnamese studio or something, wasn't it? Like yeah, some sort yeah. of Asian studio. Yeah, yeah, tragic. Mm. Um, but the thing that wasn't addressed was the weapon. That weapon was a Mac 10 that was purchased in 1998 during the assault weapons ban that Biden oh. had had championed. That's a, a, a pretty sticky topic at that point. You know, yeah. you're going, okay, well, you're you literally just screamed ban assault weapons now because the that they it had been overturned, as you rightfully say, by your opposing political party. But the reality is that that particular weapon and many others that were have been used in crimes were purchased during that ban. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it clearly didn't work. And not only did it not work, it so they were purchased illegally or privately. How'd that work? Yeah, purchase. You can purchase anything illegally, of course. And yeah. you know, it's it's not going to stop evil. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you could and, buy and it's, this can go on and, and on. I really want to. You could probably buy tanks and air, anti-aircraft missiles and stuff out of Afghanistan right now too. You know what I mean? Like oh, I'm on sure the cheap. Somebody, somebody well, peddling that stuff. Yeah, Putin's buying it right now. Yeah, Putin true. has made made major right. weapons transfer deals with the Taliban because it's great stuff. Real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually huh. happening. Um, Got to pay more attention to that stuff. I get my. Yeah, I mean I that's, my, that happens uh, all around. <laughs> I get my Ukraine war information from Peter Zihan, uh, you know, who's, if you haven't followed him, you should follow him, uh, you know, geopolitical, really smart guy. Like this guy knows everything that's going on. And it's, it's really depressing to listen to him because you listen to him and basically the short version is you're fucked, <laughs> you know, oh, you're in the entertainment business. You're fucked. Oh, you're in the car business. You're fucked too. You know, I mean, it's just it's all bad news. It's all depressing. You know, the the world basically is becoming uh, much less global, much more nationalist. Uh, you have to have your own supplies, your own food sources, your own security, your own everything, because, you know, you're not going to be you're not going to have global trading partners anymore and all this stuff. Right. It's it's actually really, really depressing. Um, but, you know, it's he's smart. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. And so, you know, he talks a lot about I, the, the war and the impact of the war and stuff. I contest that that it hasn't really changed all that much over the past hundred years. It's just well, it has. become more open in terms of the information you're seeing. No, a it lot has of changed, the though. injustices of the like, world. So you gotta you gotta follow this guy, Peter Zahan. Um, yeah, well, it sounds interesting. One of the big things that's changed is. He certainly doesn't sound like the feel-good movie of the summer. but No, no, it's not. His book is really depressing because it's just you're loaded with information suddenly and it's just like, what do I do with this? You know, like, do I go start a farm somewhere and feed my family? What do I do? You know, but um, it's got a lot to do with who's having babies and who isn't and and sort of mm -hmm. run that back 20 or 30 years. And so China's in a real pickle right now because they stopped having babies. And um, to a point where now they're, they're, for the first time ever, they're actually reversing their population growth. They're shrinking in population. Yeah. 
And it's problematic. They, I, I just heard heard this morning. I think it was on NPR or BBC yeah. News was uh, discussing that they're, they're yeah, now incentivizing having kids. It's very well, but the problem is that solves your problem twenty or thirty years from now. It doesn't solve it today. So um, you know, it, it's it's very problematic in that they won't have enough people really to do things to run factories to. And mm-hmm. by the way, China's a net importer. Uh, believe it or not. So they export all of the stuff on Amazon and, you know, electronics and all that stuff, but they import food and energy, which are the two big ones. And so the U.S. is one of the best countries from a standpoint of security, safety, future growth, blah, 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 because we self-sustain energy and are we used to anyways and uh, and food. And so it's it's interesting stuff, but you can certainly go down a rabbit hole that will keep you awake. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit frightening. So, but I want to move on to something a little happier. I saw, I saw a picture, uh, recently of you and another one of my favorite bald men, uh, who's also named Patrick doing a show at a roller rink. What the hell was that all about? Patrick Whalen. Um, yeah, is business bad or good now that you're doing shows at (laughs) roller rinks? This is phenomenal. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was an odd one, right? Uh, it is interesting. So we 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 got tapped by Live Nation to uh, to do a a week of Grammy events leading up to the Grammys. Obviously, it's a big Grammy party, so we did stuff for the Recording Academy, uh, celebrates um, hip hop, and uh, in particular Dr. Dre and, and a few others. Um, and then uh, we did a, a show for United Masters, which is a really interesting organization. They're, they're promoting independent artists to. Um, to, to blow up because I don't think people realize that this Grammy awards that just happened was the, f- uh, the first time a independent artist was nominated for artist of the year. And that had never happened before. Um, this organization fights to help promote independent artists and allow them to keep their masters so that they're not, put into you know business slavery by the recording industry um, hmm. which which you know we've certainly seen oh, that's interesting. time and time again it's a very cool organization and then uh, and then of course one of the other things we did was we turned the hollywood palladium into a 1980s roller disco um oh so that wasn't even a roller rink you just made it one we made it one, yeah. They, the the Palladium has a fantastic wood floor that's perfect for roller skating, so it, it uh. worked. And we that we just ripped the stage out, made a small one for the DJ, kept all the production in, did some design changes, put it up uh, the the borders to create the rink, and then VIP sections. And it was basically a, an uber luxury roller skating party. So J- J- uh, Jimmy Iovine from uh, Interscope Records, uh, his he, he hosted it. Um, his wife owned Flipper's Roller Boogie back in the 80s. It, it was a wildly popular roller boogie place in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was sort of like a short-lived Studio 54 kind of thing, but with roller skates. Interesting. Huge following. And they started doing pop-up rinks. This was one of them. And we had, uh, we had Usher hosting it. And they honored Dr. Dre because uh, the 30th anniversary of the Chronic, and it was the star-studded event of the night. 
at, at one point I went, I, I was standing next to the Timmer beach talking to an electrician and I kind of got bumped and pushed in. And I realized that this couple was about to almost fall into the Timmer racks. So I reached out quickly, put my arm behind them and, and, and grabbed them. And the, the gentleman turns around British accent and says, Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's Paul McCartney. No way. Now I'm holding I'm holding a beetle from falling into the dimmer rack. <laughs> the he was roller skating? Like just... he no, was he wasn't roller skating. Oh. No, he was walking. There were plenty of people that just went to hang out at the party and were oh, roller skating. Wow. But plenty of people were. Usher put on skates and was zipping around. I think DiCaprio was was rolling around. That um, is insane. It, it was a who's who of the recording industry. It was absolutely amazing. Very, very cool. Wow. The Sir pointed Paul, thing, cool. though, I saved in Sir Paul's life. I'm sure you're right? going to expand on that story. I saved his life. <laughs> I saved him from falling into the dimmer. Yeah. Um, well, it could have been devastating. What, what I will say, I pulled a few of the guys aside. I said, I want you to take a look at this rank. We're sitting there watching everybody just zipping around, watching people that aren't zipping around, just hanging out on the side, eating Wagyu burgers and, and fancy cocktails. It's just, and I said, we've we've done countless shows. I go to stadiums. People are cheering, screaming at the top of their lungs. It's amazing. This is different. Every smile that you see out there, and everybody just had these shit-eating grins on their faces. Yeah. They're having the time of their lives. I've never seen this many legitimate smiles in a venue before. That's people, cool. you know, people are always psyched because they're seeing their favorite bands. There was no band. We just had a DJ spinning 80s disco hits and remixes. But even the artists would normally be really guarded and stuff, probably. But they're out there being everybody and let and hang fun, out. Right? It was it was like, yeah, put That's your hair awesome. down. Don't worry about it. Just just have a damn good time. It reminded me of such a simpler time. Yeah. Because it was just that, there, you know. Of course, people were were recording for social media and doing their things, but most of them just had their phone in their pocket and were just enjoying a moment where they, you could, in this massive crowd. I mean, Paul McCartney's walking around the crowd; and nobody knew it, right? You could fall into anonymity until you're bumping into somebody, and just. Just be yourself. It, it was I think so everyone knew cool. That Paul McCartney was walking around like he's one of those guys. When he walks into the room, everybody knows, right? Whalen didn't know. I told him I just almost fell into the Timberwolves. He's like, "Wait, McCartney's here? What the hell?" Yeah, this is crazy. That's wild. Yeah, it that picture really, of you really too. You guys look event. like brothers. You know, it's it's so funny. Yeah, exactly. I think you well, sent me. Uh, I think you sent me a message saying two bald Irish guys walk into a bar. Or walk into a roller rink. Roller and rink. I was laughing. I was like, what the hell? Are times getting a little rough for you guys doing a roller rink? <laughs> no, the complete opposite. It was uh it, yeah. it was a very cool thing. And uh it was cool. it was not a small feat for sure, because we had to make that whole thing a rink. Yeah. Why you didn't know, they right, just right do after it at a we... roller rink? Well, there aren't many available starters. No, um, there certainly aren't many in the center of Hollywood. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess location was probably kind of important. Yeah. Big, yeah. Big did you see any but yeah, really crashes? Cool. Like, did Usher, like, do a backflip and land on his head or anything? No. What uh, One one guy took a spill, and that was it. It was nothing. Oh, really? It wasn't even that bad. No, it was... Uh, did any of them actually know how to roller skate? Oh, my God. They, really? It was full on. 
Oh yeah, clearly there is a subculture of this huh. that are diehards because you had there were girls out there with with flippers varsity jackets on and oh, wow. guys with you know like t-shirts with like you know gold lemay writing on it like 80s style you know oh, that's stuff um so yeah it's it's clearly a thing and yeah. you know they had skate rentals but most of these people had their they rolled in with their own skates yeah and were zipping around the floor you had people doing actual you know roller boogie and dancing in the center you get guys that were were you know doing acrobatics and break dancing in the center yeah. it was just such a cool event it was so much yeah. fun that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it was. So, it, what's the deal with you and Patrick doing so many shows together? Like, are you guys? Did you partner, or do you just like working together, or what is? We just it? like working together. Yeah, yeah it just it, seems like you guys have done a bunch of stuff recently. Yeah, we have. Um, and 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 it's he he jokes because he he always says I'm I'm just trying to be the guy that brings you the most shitty projects because <laughs> every one of them just seems to be a, a wild challenge. Yeah. Uh, but I love that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. everyone is a challenge and it's, it's pretty cool. And a lot of the stuff is like this where it's under the radar. You know, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've done the big stadium thing. I've done the, the giant festival thing. When, you, when you've done all of these things, it's like, okay, great. It's just another one. Yeah. I've never lit a roller disco. Like, that's a complete. You I'm know, sure you for, always for, wanted to though, growing up in Long for the Island, recording right? industry elite. You know, it, yeah. this wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna light a a roller rink. This was, uh, oh no, we're gonna do this for Dr. Dre, and everybody that is gonna be attending the Grammys is is going to be clamoring to get into this. Gig. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's just very was cool. Security ridiculous. Uh, it was it, not ridiculous. It was appropriate. Yeah. Um, were there regular people there too, or was it all stars? No, there were some regulars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Because um, you you can register for the event, and you know yeah. if you're you're into that thing, you're in that scene. Obviously, you, know, you get a lot of the diehards going. To yeah. It. Um, but it was just it was just this who's who party, and I I think I mean, just like ourselves, nobody really knew what to expect if you hadn't done one before, and. You just walk into the room and everybody is just smiling, just yeah, just legitimately happy. It, it was amazing. It was such was a was it cool was it all experience. house gear or was it did you bring in gear? No, no, no. Gear? We brought in a full rig. Yeah, we had oh, okay. we, we had volt lights um, and concept pixels come in and, and do lighting and video and uh, cool. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was very That's awesome. Cool. But yeah, Waylon and I have have, uh, have been doing a lot of stuff the last. Yeah, two years no, I've and, seen uh, that. I've really I've, enjoyed uh, working with each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, you we're guys very do... we're very like minded, and um, we're also like minded in our pragmatism toward uh, making concessions. You know, mm. and, and I think that that's that's one of the things that we we both tend to be very easygoing and understanding about. Um, whatever needs to be done, whether that's a budgetary concern and something needs to be cut or it's a, a production concern and we, you know, need to, to either add or cut something. Um, mm -hmm. We both have a, a healthy respect for each other's disciplines and trusting the decisions being made and understanding when we're going to push back and fight for something that we think, you know, okay, we well, want to get rid of that. Here's why I, I 
don't want to be doing that. I think it's going to jeopardize these things. And, you know, and it's a, a very easygoing symbiotic production relationship, which That's is cool. one of my favorite so things. About how, how often are you guys working together? Is it like once a month or just whenever or? It's sort of a whenever, you know, as yeah. a thing. it's it's kind of like I'd, I'd say once a quarter we're doing something. At yeah. This point. You've been ridiculous busy other than that, right? Yes. Uh, I've, I've, I've made the very conscious decision to slow the company down um, for 23. Uh, oh. we're, we're actually turning down a lot of stuff to create a bit more space for everybody involved because 22 was uh, an untenable strategy. It You're just not touring wasn't. anymore, are you? No, no, I, no, no. I, I don't want anything to do with with that. Um, and it's funny. And a I, lot of people are making that decision right now. So I wonder who is replacing those positions. Like you know, the like, is there a whole new batch of really good lighting directors and programmers and stuff coming up now who are replacing uh, the guys? The who first don't want part of that anymore? is true. Yeah, there's a whole new batch. Um, the really good is not really the case uh yeah you know we're having a real hard time getting appropriate talent in those positions um well actually i'm just gonna, tough. i'm gonna i'm gonna task you with joining a little thing that i'm gonna put together i i had a you know a fan a listener of geezers of gear reach out to me recently and he's a, an ld who does local stuff in his city and he's just working to break into touring um and He's like, you know, there's really no books out there on how you go from being a local guy to becoming a touring guy. And, you know, it'd be really great if somebody just kind of had a talk with you. Like if you put a panel together of people who could just kind of talk through that transition and some of the things, you know, like I, I've talked about Seth Jackson's uh, concert lighting book where he has a whole chapter on bus etiquette, you know. People don't teach you that stuff. You just go get, you know, ripped in half when you take a shit on the bus and, and, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are certain, you know, it's, it's, yeah, of course the, you know, the pooping on the bus thing is always something that's people are quite vocal about and yeah. it's sort of a joke to the new guys that everybody yeah. you know chips in, but there's the million other etiquettes on the bus that you, you right. are only learning through trial and error. Right. And just how to be a good person and survive and, you know, what to do, what not to do, like, don't miss your, your, you know, calls, uh, you know, just all of the different things. Um, and I mean, I thought it was a great idea. So I, you know, you might be a really great guy cause you have done that yeah, transition and, yeah. and, uh, plus you're really good at sort of walking through the steps and detail and stuff like that. So, but I thought yeah, I'd be cool more than idea. happy to join it. Cause I, I mean, I'm as always, I am a proponent of, the next generation yeah. and getting them all the information well, we have to. And, and building we have up. to. I mean, that's all there is to well, it. It's, and it's, to. it's, it's raw business level. Your only way to advance is to make sure that you've trained a replacement that's going to yeah. take over what you do. Right. So mm -hmm. we need these guys. We need Hell to get yeah. them up to speed and you have to stop. You know, everybody wants to treat people like competition instead of lifting them up to elevate them because they're so goddamn paranoid about having their gig stolen by them. And, yeah, you know, it, it's it's ridiculously. It's, yeah, those it's, things happen, but nine times out of ten, you're you're lifting somebody up that is going to love you for life and be there for you when you need them. Yeah, it's absolutely let me, worth it. Let me ask you an off the wall question. So, have you moved on to MA three yet, or are you still MA two software? 
still MA2. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we've we've made the attempt. Uh it my my personal take on it is that it's uh it's still not ready for the big time shows, the really yeah. complex stuff. It's so funny because um, there's such a divide on this topic. You know, like I I Yeah, but there is. I've talked to people recently, AJ Penn last week, I think, uh, you know, who's, who said it's time, you know, it's time to go MA3, no more MA2, but I, well, I'll say goes, it's time to start learning it. Yeah. It absolutely is time to start learning it no, no, because the transition is about to happen. It. He's saying using it, but um, you know, I think, I think the divide is just like politics. It is. It really, just, it's funny, just isn't shut it? up and let people leave people alone. Yeah. Let them make the decision based on what their needs are. Right. Well, so what I've watched with MA3 is is not just AJ Penn, but um uh Brian Hartley yeah. last year did Trans Siberian Orchestra with it. And I would I thought was a really bold move. Um and he he admitted that he, he had some challenges with it, but um that he would absolutely do it again. Mm. Now uh oh and um Uh, oh God, who else was it? it was, uh, another friend of mine has been touring with it. Um, what I've noticed is that in terms of nuance and complexity of the shows, that worked for them. Yeah. It would not work for me on 90% of the shows that we do. We We yeah. still require a tool set that the two software has that the three doesn't have yet. And I know it will get there, but if it's not there now, I can't risk getting fired over it. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem. I get because it. Because if, if it costs me the job, all you're doing by, by not servicing that from a, a manufacturing standpoint is you're inhibiting my ability to get you more work and get yeah. this thing specified on other well, stuff. It, you know, it's a really interesting topic and it, it's, it's caused a really weird dilemma and, and one, you know, honestly, like I'm not trying to sound like a person who knows everything, but I had conversations with Ralph and with, with Ben uh, at act in 2020, basically saying might've been late 2020, early 21, and I said, you guys should put the MA2 back into production. How can we do that? You know, we can't do that. You know, we've got the MA3. And I said, have both. And I'll tell you what, cheapen the MA2 a bit. Make it in Hungary or in Czech Republic or some somewhere where it doesn't, it's not made in the German factory. No, no, you know, that just isn't going to fly. And no, and it's not. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's MA, you know, sticklers for quality and oh of course know, but i'm not saying take and, the quality away i'm saying you know make the same console but somehow create some separation between the ma2 and ma3 so that you've got sort of the premium and but i mean at some point you got to give people what they want you know and so what's happening on the used market is insane you know like i we were selling ma2s in 2020 for around 14 15 grand they're thirty-five to thirty-seven thousand right now. It's unbelievable yeah. what's happening. Supply and, and it demand. just keeps going up. I keep thinking, okay, now the floor is going to drop out of the MA two, and it just keeps going up. No, because it's there's there's so many people console that still want it. Thirty-seven grand. Yeah, it's incredible. It's crazy. It's, it's absolutely nuts. incredible. Um, I, yeah, I had a, a pointed conversation with with Michael Ad now a few years ago, and mm -hmm. the 
the topic came up and it was just like, well, why? The the two was was fine. We we had no issue with it. It was still robust. And we got into it and, and we're discussing the um the lack of parts was was a big thing. Uh, you know, and, and what, what a lot of people don't know is that there's a, uh, and I'm going to completely bastardize this because I've, I've never researched it directly. I've only discussed it third party with people. Germany has a law about manufacturing where you, if, if you're going to put a product off the assembly line, you must be able to fully warranty support that product for 10 years after the date of it. It's the, the same in Italy. It's the right. same in Italy because Coamar always told me that uh, when I was working with them. I'm sure Clay Packy told you the same thing. Yeah, so seven or ten years, I can't remember. Yeah, um, so you have to have parts to be able to do that. Well, th those parts were becoming obsolete, and you couldn't couldn't get the parts, so you have to purchase them in bulk, have them sitting on the shelf ready to go to be able to basically create all of these consoles. Just mm -hmm. be ready to swap the parts out as the the users destroyed him. Um, and he said, we, we just can't get the parts. And my immediate reaction was, how the hell is China doing it then? Yeah. <laughs> went, what do you mean? I Funny, said, well, one of my issues with festivals overseas, particularly in Asia, is that I keep getting counterfeit equipment that the Chinese are, are doing knockoffs of. They're stealing your software. They're making their own hardware. Like They don't seem to have an issue with these parts. Right. So surely something could be done. We just happen to move on with, you know, this, this whole new system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which of I don't course know. Went, went over like a fart in church at that point. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Like, it make me popular. It's such a hot issue. Like it's such a hot button issue because there's people who are really passionate on both sides of it. Like you said, it's, it's almost like a political divide. Um, you know, who knows, who knows how or when that, that is going to end. And then um, you get libertarians like me running around screaming, Avo, Avo. <laughs> is, has that thing taken off the D9? Uh, it doesn't appear to have. Let me tell you something. And, and this, so this is going to make me wildly unpopular by saying this, but I, 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 I have publicly stated it before and I'll state it again. MA should thank their lucky stars that there was a supply chain issue the last two years because the timing for Avo to make a serious dent in the industry would have been the last two years with this very challenging transition into the yeah. three and the unpopularity of it. And um, the only reason that you didn't see Avo desks all over the place was they couldn't get the, the, the parts and pieces to make them. Yeah. You know, Jack Kelly at Group One said, I would have an easier time getting you a rock off the moon right now than getting you that console. That's crazy. We just can't get them into the States. Well, the other the other problem is I think Avo needed to be a bigger company to be able to compete and or to steal the market. Like when you're when you're trying to go oh, after to steal a market, yeah. When you're trying to go after the the leader in in any market, you gotta have pretty deep pockets. You gotta be you know, you gotta, you sort of have to attack the market. You can't yeah, just trickle all out into the market because you're going to get one over here, one over here, which is sort of what Avo's been ever since the analog consoles. You know, they've never really owned any part of the market. 
Uh, I don't know. I think you could contest that the you know, certainly the 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 80s and early 90s they were the leader. No, I mean you had them, you had Selco. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like back there were so few. We're, I guess I shouldn't yeah. say analog, but uh, pre-hog call it, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. sort of pre-hog um pre they owned like the market. They were really really big. Yeah, they and then shit. you know, once you got into the smaller digital consoles, moving like consoles and stuff, it just They've never really grabbed a big market share. And I think it's because they're a small British company. And, you know, I, I thought during the pandemic they were going to sell to Digico or something. And I guess they never did. But um, it looked like their hardware was starting to assimilate Digico audio consoles. And uh, so I thought there was going to be a deal announced there, but I guess there wasn't. So whatever. What do I know? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about that, but I, yeah. I think that the, the the bigger issue as to why they have not really skyrocketed has been um, the the user base just wasn't yeah. there. And yeah, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll speak from from my personal interest in it. I had shunned them for the longest time because their their operating system and the the philosophy of how you programmed on that desk was not. Uh, capable of doing a multi-queue list or multi-queue list system like we've had since whole hog. Yeah. Um, that changed, excuse me, when the screw up the, it's their, their Titan operating yeah. system, I believe is it's Titan software. Yeah. So when Titan came out, they had changed that whole philosophy. They didn't market and, yell to the world that they had done it they had just put this thing out well that didn't notify any of us who had already dismissed it because yeah. of that i didn't know that they had created a solution interesting and had i known maybe it, some things would be, be a viable viable option slightly different in terms of what we use you know again i mean i think if you go after the incumbent the uh, you know especially someone who owns call it 90% of the the high end of the market. Um, you got to have deep pockets. You got to be big. You got to blitz the market. You can't tickle the market. And, you know, that's where I think like a company like Elation with their Obsidian stuff has done a really nice job. Like they've said, hey, we're never going to beat the MA2. So we're going to kind of tuck ourselves way underneath it and go after that sort of small local show market that Absolutely. installs you know, and they appear to have a pretty nice product from everything people have told me. Um, it is a fantastic product. I mean, they inherited well that priced. product and then, you know, they took it from Martin yeah, and then built it up. You yeah. Know, they they yeah. rebranded it, did yeah. really great things with it. Um, yeah, and no, it is they, a great system. They seem to be doing well. And it, it's certainly appropriate for that smaller mid-range marketplace. Yeah. And um, and as we all know, I think, you know, for a company like that, certainly with with our history, in representing moving light companies, the concept of a console that you own being able to be that loss leader for sales, massive. Oh, Jesus. You know, yeah, how, how, how many, how many case consoles or status cues did you throw at a deal? Of course. Right. Well, you like, had to. Oh, here, With I'm those just going to give you this $30,000 piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah. But that yeah. was that, that sealed it. It's like, Oh wait, yeah. we're going to get that as well. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, just give us that thing. So, you know, particularly if you're ask, not the one running it. This isn't a fake background. No, no, that's real. That's a spectacular space. So, is this Thank in you. your house? 
Uh, it is on the the property, not in the house. So you so you we, recently moved from a really cool condo on the strip out to the burbs, right? Yeah, yeah. So in the in the pandemic, um, I mean, for the last ten years, we had lived in a uh, a high rise, luxury high rise uh, on the strip, and the the back of that property had a set of two story townhomes as part of the property, um, and we had. We had purchased the largest unit there and turned it into the offices for the activity. Uh, and then after a few years, then built previous studios into the, the spaces. Um, mm. And it it thrived. It was great. Uh, then obviously pandemic happened. Uh, we got an offer for it. Somebody wanted to, to purchase the townhouse privately. And my wife, who is my business partner and more sensible money manager came to me. And as I'm sitting in there one day by myself, uh, dealing with helping people with, uh, PPE challenges. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Uh, she says, you know, no one's breaking down the door for previs right now. You've in, you know, and we had, I had converted the space in the pandemic to, uh, to be a remote working space for productions, which worked out very well. Um, but there was, you know, those were few and far between. So she said, uh, I have an offer on the real estate and it will produce more income than this will in the next two years. What do you want to do? Well, how's Thursday? We'll get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Take the offer. That's great. I could rebuild this somewhere else. It's this, you know, I, I don't, I don't care. When we come out of the pandemic, I'll just buy another one of these and we'll just redo it. Who cares? So, you know, we just yeah. don't need it right now. So yeah, let's yeah. take the money and run. So we did. And then um, and then, you know, living in in our, our high-rise apartment on that property, um, it it declined in uh its quality of occupancy, let's say. Um it, it became very challenging. The demographic changed really really badly um, yeah it, it went downhill super fast and uh and up until that point high rise or, or apartments were not a part of the real estate boom that was happening because nobody wanted to be during covid cooped up close to neighbors in an apartment building you wanted something in the burbs that was got more space and more privacy and less people um now at this point we're coming out of the the shutdowns and all of a sudden everybody wants to be back on the strip and buy it so those prices started to to start to skyrocket um and we, we hadn't even entertained the thought really of of moving we, we we discussed it at one point through the pandemic going oh would we want to move out to the burbs and have the lawn and do that kind of thing and we, my wife and i have lived in in high rises for the last 20 years of our lives at this point. So we weren't really into it. Um, and then it all sort of came to a head where we had a group of undesirable people uh, on the first weekend that they opened, reopened our pools and we're out at the pool. And I proceed to get in a full blown fist fight, Ugh. gouging eyes, cracking cartilage and tracheas. Like it just got oh, nasty. Jesus. And you know, thankfully, you know, the cops weren't called. 
we all should have been in jail by the time this thing was done. Um, but you know, we were in the apartment and my wife goes, this joint has gone to hell. It's changing and you're not. Someone's going to end up dead. Yeah. And if it's not you, you'll be in jail and we'll lose everything at this point. Yeah. Like we, we you need to get out of here. We need to remove you from this environment because this is never going to get better. It's only going to go farther downhill. We've watched this with you know challenges in the area with other properties over the decades. So we said, okay, fine, it's time to think about something, some option. And uh we also had other challenges to the pandemic, like losing some friends to the the stress of it all and um you know really difficult sad stuff i ended up losing a very um close friend and mentor of mine and my wife turned and said you're next so how do you want this to go down i said what do you mean he goes he dropped from the stress the two of you are running around thinking you're going to single-handedly save the goddamn entertainment industry if it's been a year and a half if these people can't swim by themselves by now it, you're not saving them. You need yeah. to stop. You need to start looking at your health because this is becoming a problem. Yeah. Um, and there was also a health issue that was developing for me. Mm-hmm. So, and we should talk about that. Anyway, we we start discussing it, and I said, "Well, why don't we sell this and start not just looking for a place? Why don't we?" look for our retirement property. Let's let's look at the forever home and let's just go all in and enjoy it while I'm paying it off for the next 20 years instead of probably dying within sight of retirement if I'm going to keep this lifestyle going. Yeah. Um, you know, who wants to do that? Like, why am I going to do that to myself? So let, let's just go for it. So we did. And ultimately, long, long and the short of it was we we found a unicorn. We, we took our time. We moved into a, a temporary house in the burbs, um, which was good because it taught us what we wanted and didn't want living out in the burbs because we certainly weren't used to it. Uh, and we found a three-acre gorgeous property that is uh, just about three and a half miles down the road from the Strip in the Legion Stadium. So we're, we're super close to the Strip still. But when you're standing on this property, you can hear a pin drop. It is the most tranquil, amazing park of a property. It's really great. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, no, I remember when you first it, it's got basically it. a compound. Yeah. When, when you it's, first got it, it security you, gated. You walked around with like mm-hmm. FaceTime or something and showed it to me. And I was like, wow, that's badass. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, and so on the back side of the property, on a side street, it has its own private gate, completely separated from everything else. Uh, they had a 2,400 square foot casita that the last owner had turned into a show car garage because he collected Oof. vintage Camaros. So it had it was lit to high heaven. It had outlets low and high everywhere. It, it, it was totally tricked out for a, a man cave. And we said, well, this... This solves my next problem because once we buy a retirement home, I still have basically a half a million dollar commercial real estate issue I have to deal with for offices and if we're going to build the studios again for previs and all that stuff for the business. 
So uh, this came with. So it was like, great, let's just convert that. So uh, we ended up having it completely gutted. And we did a quarter million dollar renovation on the space. And that's what you're seeing behind us. So we, we took a, just a wide open garage and turned it into a, a, a beautiful previous space and, and offices. Um, so now it's it's set up to be able, obviously be able to host previous sessions and full creative teams. But we, we also have uh, conference rooms and other workstations and offices so that, um, you know, full teams, producing teams can come in and use the space for getting stuff done, uh, doing remote work if need be still. Um, is there, it, it came is out there great. Like a we did all the glass and, is there a kitchen? Is there? Yeah, there's a full there's kitchen. Not living facilities, though, right? No, so no. But there is there is a full kitchen. Um, you know, all the amenities that we we had previously were able to, to continue to offer, which is great. It was like personal meal plans and things like that. And the overall concept of it is that you can you can come in and just focus on being creative in a comfortable and enjoyable space, and not have to leave the space. You can, you have access to the space 24 hours a day. If you'd like, um, you can have, we, we have a meal plan that we, we do prepared meals here for you for whatever you may want. If you want to eat healthy for the week, if you want comfort and junk food all week, you can do that. That's all reasonably priced to the same, roughly the same amount that you would pay to bring in, you know, DoorDash or Uber Eats, mm. or you can just do DoorDash and Uber Eats. Um, yeah. It's, it's so a what do you separate have, address. Like a chef that comes in or something? Yeah. Somebody who comes in and cooks yeah. all the food. Oh, that's yeah. cool. It all gets, nice. gets prepared and set up for you here. And you so is this under it. the activity branding or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This, this, we call the, the, the previous stuff we call the farm. Oh, okay. Right. The, yeah. That's the farm. A, technically a separate uh, business entity that handles all of that. Very cool. Have you started marketing yeah. it yet? Have you started using it yet? Like, have you had had people? We, 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 we've we've been our own test subjects uh, the last uh -huh. few weeks um, because we're we're basically ninety nine percent there. I've got a few things that still need to be done. We're finishing the acoustic paneling. So what you see behind me here is the a, a separate studio that's the main previous studio. So it's got the full projection screen in there and audio system and acoustic baffling that you see behind me. But we have some mm -hmm. more baffling coming in because um, we also did this very very cool epoxy floor that's an ocean theme floor all the, yeah, the white sick. streaks in it yeah. glow in the dark and it's, it's never been done before it's very very cool uh but between that and all the custom glass that's been put in and flat sheetrock walls it bit is a, a audio reflectivity nightmare yeah yeah so well, probably the, a lighting the, reflectivity nightmare too yeah that too guess. so yeah. there were there are 52 or 56 downlights yeah. in the whole space. Uh, and we we basically swapped them all out with Philips Hue downlights, yeah. retrofitted everything. And that enabled us to section off every office individually, every space individually. Oh, so cool. everything has separate control. Um, so you can control all of that. And then we have you know, blackout drapes on all the windows and, and everything. So, so th there is full light control in here as well. In the actual studio, what do you have? You have like a, a MA2 or 3 console? and We have an MA, a full MA3 in there okay. that, that comes with the space. Uh, we're, we're console and software agnostic. Um, it's about the space. It's not about you know having to provide you software and files and all the stuff that right. most previous studios do. Um, this is about the 
this sort of luxurious experience of being able to come in and just be comfortable and creative. You're not yeah. relegated to the corner of a warehouse, you know, in, yeah. in the shop. Um, most important, it's client facing. You, yeah. you can bring an artist or a CEO in here and they're going to be comfortable. They're going to enjoy the space. They're, they have the privacy and seclusion. You, know, you don't have to to worry about, you know, like, like nobody wants to, to walk Jennifer Lopez through PRG's warehouse behind a, a duve curtain to look at some sort of previous thing that they're working yeah. on, you know, like you just wouldn't want to do that. This is a very different experience. You're, you know, you're, you're coming in and it's, it, it, it's just client facing. It's, it, it just yeah. looks good. No, um, I, I love it. I love the concept. So how do you price it? Do you price it by the day or by the week or both? It, yeah. We do, yeah. we do it individually by the day or you can book it by the week. And, and basically we, we give the, the Saturday and Sunday, the, the extra two days are free as part of the package. You know? Right. Okay. So it's, it's very competitively priced. Um, it basically works out to the cost of a good programmer is what you're really? paying. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's not a, an exorbitant fee to, to do any of this stuff. Um, well, pre COVID price of a good programmer or today's price of a good programmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Today's pricing is getting a little, a little stupid. It is getting interesting. That's for sure. It's getting interesting out there for sure. But one of the one one of the nicer features of this is that when you're ready to take a break, you walk outside and you're in the a park. It, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. You're in the middle of nature with walking paths. You can go all around the property and just decompress. And you know, you, you can take a, a 15 minute walk and just chill out. And are you gonna are you gonna let greasy lighting guys use your pool? No, absolutely. <laughs> so there are limits here. There are limits. Yeah, there are limits. They can't no, scale are, the fence. There are nice little fences that go up and yeah. you know, section off the cameras. The I rest hope of the security property. cameras. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. security up the up the yin yang. Well, your pugs will like my venomous them. attack pugs. Yeah, yeah. That's very. It's cool. a very so, cool neighborhood because there are, there there are other properties obviously surrounding your neighborhood. There's some some interesting neighbors. Um, I've got, uh, I don't know if you know, Dan Bilzerian, Instagram dude, uh, no, I don't know. billionaire or whatever. He, he lives a few houses down. So he's, he's always like having firework shows for Halloween and fun stuff. It, it oh, that's makes, cool. makes for an interesting background. That's good. So obviously the idea is that eventually this will be booked solid and it'll not only pay for itself, but it'll hopefully pay your house mortgage too, I would guess. Uh well, I mean, that's what all the businesses ultimately do when you Yeah. Yeah. Doing it. That's, yeah but it is nice to have that's it. That's the goal know, anyways. Having the having the uh you know the three hundred, four hundred foot walk to work is, is yeah. nice. Yeah. So is your office in this same building? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's my oh, okay. just off to the side here. I have my my own little fish tank. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're not like sitting there watching them program no, 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 show or anything. No. And that's the other thing is is I'm, I am I am also completely isolated from that um, right. side of it. So, you know, I mean, let's face it, there's some designers that get weird about it. They don't, you know, they don't want me seeing their stuff. Yeah. You, know, you can work in privacy. It's not you know, you have to worry about competition looking over how's, your shoulder. How's booking right. happen? Does it does is there a website like where people can just go on and select dates and schedule it or is uh, it not that happening no you, you just email or, or call inquiries oh, okay. but yeah we do have the website um 
which is a, a th3farm.com. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. It just gives the, the overview of, of what services are offered and pictures of the space. And so like will this, this won't be like all local guys. It'll be people flying into Vegas to do, to use this studio and then flying back out or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, it's uh, obviously you would either make the trip to come because the space is so comfortable and nice and yeah. the, the, the amenity offerings or more what usually happens, um, with our spaces is you have people that are working in town and want a previous space close by to be able to, to do stuff. Um, and this, this becomes particularly attractive for that, uh, cause you could bring in your whole creative team while the load ins going on, you can stick the creative team here. So they're out of everybody's hair and let them do their thing. Right. Uh, and it tends to keep a bit more peace on the production <laughs> production managers. Certainly like that portion of it. Yeah. Uh, Cause they can oh, stick the guys somewhere and they, and it solves the problem because they, you know, otherwise space. you got to deal mean, with sticking them in a space at your production. Really, really cool looking space. I mean, obviously, you know, to me, it looks like a place you'd want to go in and, and use. And uh, I wish you great success. Thank you. You've spent money on it. I bet, I bet your wife is breathing down your neck already going, Patrick. When are we booking this thing? Where's the income? Yeah. No, we'll, we'll, you know, as with everything, if you, if you don't chase it and just do the right thing, mm -hmm. the money comes, right? So my, my goal or our goal is to get it right. We just want it as perfect as possible before getting the influx of people coming in. So we, you know, yeah. obviously we, we've been using it ourselves for the last few projects that we've been working on uh, just to get a, an idea of what's working, what isn't. Um, we immediately found, all right, well, excuse me, the uh, audio system needs to be updated. The stuff that we had previously just wasn't working in the space for me or there's just better sounding stuff out there. Um. Uh, light levels and and reprogramming stuff to make it easier for the programmer. Um, as you can see behind me, you've got consoles over there, and then the back of the room is a bunch of couches and stuff. Right? And this mm -hmm. is purposefully separating creative team doing their work from the programmer executing stuff, and he's yeah. got completely separate control over the lighting and levels there, so that he doesn't have the creative team clicking buttons and like you know, blowing out the projection screen and things yeah. like that. No, that's cool. One of the things we put in, which is absolutely fantastic. I had not, I had heard about it, but I never really looked into it that much until we found a need was uh, these, these black projection screens. Have you used? Yeah. I, I, well, I've seen them. I haven't had one, but I've seen them. Fantastic. We yeah. did a, a, a 4,000 lumen ultra short throw projector with a 120 inch black projection screen. And the, the contrast on this is just absolutely phenomenal with full white light on. Wow. You could never do that with a white screen. You'd be blowing That's it all cool. out. This is just like crisp and clear and bright. It's so cool. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, you were talking been... about a health thing. What What's going on with your health? Oh, so... You know, that was one of the, I, I, I mean, a, if it's something very, you want to talk about, I don't know if you want to talk about it. It's, it's not only something I want to talk about. I, I, I think we should talk about it because it's something that um, I don't think men talk about enough. Uh, oh, you can't so get in the anymore, pandemic, when I, when I had, when I had my fight issue, you know, this little altercation. Yeah. Um, my testosterone levels inexplicably skyrocketed. Couldn't figure That's it out. Weird. 
completely weird. Shouldn't have happened. It's a complete antithesis of what you expect. Yeah, it usually uh, goes the opposite direction. And I was a bull shark with anything that if someone oh, real disrespectful. Temper. Oh man, it, like not having it. And that's what what ultimately happened when this altercation happened. Um, we, we were having a problem in the building with uh, illegal Airbnb, so we had people that were were coming in just vacationing and treating your home as if it's a Vegas resort and just acting appallingly, you know, and, and someone said some very disrespectful stuff to myself and my wife. And I, that's it. We're done here. Yeah. Dealt with it immediately. Um, what goes up must come down. And this past spring, summer, my, I, I didn't realize it. My testosterone levels ultimately had gone below 200. It just absolutely plummeted really bad. Um, but I didn't realize and I didn't know enough about it. Um, and I fell into horrendous depression, thoughts of, of suicide, you know, all of these things, you know, inexplicable malaise, just, just depressive crying, just not understanding what, what was happening. And you had, all of this combined with the stress of buying a new home and business that was unreasonably busy for everybody trying to take care of staff and make sure everybody's taken care of appropriately and, and everything that goes along with that running multiple businesses um, while still trying to pull them out of, you know, the, the last few yeah. years of, uh, of rut. And I, you know, started doing some research on things because I'm like, this, this, this is not me. This is the complete antithesis of who I am as a person and ever have been my entire life. Um, I, I am not a depressive individual. No, no, that's really surprising. Um, and and I was, you know, I kept it to myself as much as possible. And I said, you know what? I'm. I started seeing some things. I start doing research, and everything keeps pointing toward testosterone i'm like all right well i'm, I'm turning 50 next year like may, maybe this is it maybe I, I should start looking at this so went had blood work done and sure enough i mean that as they were taking the blood i discussing it with the the practitioner and he's like i i can tell you what your problem is but i'm gonna reserve my comment until we get these results back in a few minutes but let's get through and sure enough that was it so ended up doing testosterone therapy so within you, were two, you at a men's clinic thing or were you at a regular doctor? Uh, started with a regular doctor who suggested the men's clinic thing yeah. because they're more specialized in it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I went to a specialist for this um, and it, two weeks, night and day difference and only got better over you know the, the next month or so. Yeah, um, getting your hormones back in balance, right? Yeah. The reason why I think this is so important to talk about, I don't, men don't talk about this shit. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, as you get older, you're more open to it because, you know, we all jokingly start, instead of talking about the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of our youth, we're talking about our ailments and medications. Right. Um, Sadly. <laughs> and, uh, but for the younger generation, they're not discussing this and it's not on their radar. One of the other things that, I've now, through the research of all of this, started seeing was these testosterone drops and degradation are happening 
traditionally now at a younger age, people in their 30s are starting to dip down. And it's simply because of where we are in society with what we're doing in general, not being as active, you know, looking at screens, you know, 16 hours a day, uh, the, the, the foods that we have access to and the crap that we're ingesting, you know, all of the things that ultimately don't promote good health yeah. are now creating these issues at a younger age. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by a younger generation that is, um, you know, constantly talking about anxiety and depression and struggling with, with all of this stuff. Um, you know, and you're noticing that that generation's testosterone levels are in fact dropping at a much earlier age. And, you know, people need to at least have this on their radar as a possibility that that could be the issue. Cause I had no idea. Well, you know, it's a funny that I, thing what I should be looking at. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, that people don't talk about it and stuff. And so I think, you know, I'm older than you, I'm 58. And I think when I was around 50, um, probably 51, 52, you know, I was like literally falling asleep at my desk in the afternoon. And I, I just, I had no energy at all. And I really wanted to lose some weight and I couldn't lose any weight. And it's all sort of related, you know, this, this, uh, all of it's related. Yeah. It's all very related. So I was sitting at the bar one day and a guy next to me who I knew really well, he's a famous radio DJ down here in Palm beach. And, uh, you know, I, I, like, he's like, Marcel, you okay? You don't look right. And I'm like, I don't know. I just been really tired lately and I'm struggling to, you know, I got this belly fat I want to lose and it's bugging me and I'm just like down. And he kind of gave me one of these, like, well, here, I want you to go see this doctor, you know? And I'm like, we don't, we don't talk about this. Yeah. I'm like, what's that? He goes, Marcel, you know, your testosterone is probably low and I want you to go see this doctor. And he's whispering to me and I'm like, is it illegal? <laughs> like, I don't know anything about yeah, right? this at that point. Right. I'm like, no, it's it not illegal. illegal. Like, it's like, but, but it's, it, it gets treated like a Viagra commercial because the only time you've probably worse, ever heard about worse. this is this, this low T medicine commercials that you, you but, see, but you on know, that's time TV. Sort of, and you're like, Oh, well, that, that would never happen to me. That's, that's the for like guys in their seventies. Is I think what keeps a lot of people really miserable and unhealthy and everything else. And so I'm not on it now, but I'm actually considering because Here's what happened to me. So I went on it for, I don't know, 18 months or something. I lost 25 pounds. I learned to love going to the gym. Like now to this day, I can't go a day without exercise. It just kills me. I have to exercise yeah. every day. And, uh, you know, just much healthier overall, lighter, you know, younger, just everything. I feel better than I did when I was 40. And, um, but my regular doctor is really super conservative, like no drugs, no medicine for anything, mm -hmm. right? Like, let's just solve the problem with better diet, and which I really like about him. He's he's almost like a, uh, you know, not alternative medicine, but uh, functional medicine doctor. But, yeah, but he's not he's throwing a medications doctor. at a problem. Right, exactly. So um, so he said, Marcel, are, are you still doing that, that uh, testosterone thing? And I said, yeah, why? And he said, I think you should get off it. And I said, why? And he said, well, you always tell me you're worried about your heart because my dad died of a heart attack at 52. Mm -hmm. And he goes, testosterone's really bad for your heart. 
And I said, really? And he goes, oh yeah, yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to be on testosterone. It's bad for your heart. And you know, it's not a good thing. And and you really should get off of it if, if you want to be, you know, focused on your heart. And so, you know, I was actually with my son at his doctor a couple of months ago and just got into a conversation with my son's doctor. Who's a really smart guy. He's been his pediatrician since he was a baby and just super smart guy. And he says, Hey, do you know this guy? And I go, yeah, I know him. I used to go to his, his clinic. Why? And he goes, Oh, you don't go to him anymore. And I said, no, no. I said, my doctor kind of got me off of it. And he said, why? And I said, because it's bad for my heart. And you know, I'm always afraid of a heart attack because, because of my dad, he goes, Marcel, he's wrong. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, Marcel, I could point you to 50 studies. Testosterone is good for your heart. Yeah, you don't want to go 1,200 or anything, but if you're at seven, 800, it's actually really, that's healthy. And I'm like, really? And he goes, Marcel, go back to him. Go back to this guy that we both know. And uh, so that's part of it, the sort of hush nature of it. But the other thing is the cost is ridiculous. Like the fact that it's not covered by insurance and it's, you know, they're, they no, it's, you, it's you a know, considerable, they, yeah. Yeah, they charge you way too much it. for that stuff. Like they'll give you these special vitamin D3, K2 combos that you can buy on Amazon for 40 bucks and they'll charge you 80 in those clinics. You know, they're, yeah. so I, I think they need to fix that stuff because you're right. It's a little known, well, everyone struggles from it when you get to be our age, my age, especially. And yeah, uh, I mean, but it's also every, everybody's going to struggle from, from something as you get older. But the yeah. concept of not talking about it is it gets ridiculous, and we and, and this isn't the only thing, you know. We, we, with mental health and everything, people yeah. don't talk about it because they, I think, people just get concerned about being vulnerable. Yeah, you know, no, it's nobody true. wants to air that. To, I'll to tell you what, friends. Patrick, I did a podcast recently. I don't know if you heard it, but it was me and uh, uh, that gang of people. And- yeah. 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 And, I, it was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank so, you for doing that. I thought it was really great. Yeah. But I mean, we talked a little bit about that and, and, you know, Wiseman is with us today because he paid attention to what yeah. his body felt like. And he, he was smart enough to go to the doctor and say, there's something wrong with me. You know, there, I'm just, you know, here's the problem I'm having. I think we should run some tests. There's something wrong with me. And, you know, lo and behold, he, he had uh prostate cancer, prostate cancer. Yeah. and got it very, very early. And, you know, he'll live, some people probably aren't happy, but he'll live another friggin' 30 years or something, you know, Wiseman's <laughs> somehow still alive. You know, he tried as hard Thank as he God, could to you know, poison himself, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's no, people don't, people don't talk about this, any of their stuff enough. They, they're pussies about going to the doctor. Yeah. And I, I, I absolute monsters that work with me that won't go to the doctor because they're scared. And, but it's, you know, it's like, well, sometimes what, it's the opposite. It's the machoism. You know, it's like, ah, oh, fuck that. I don't need to do that. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Absolutely. They're just being tough I'm just going to power right? through it. Yeah. Every time never... I've powered through an ailment. Yeah. It's ended up being worse at the other side. When I know way too many people who died because they discovered they had a brain tumor and it's way stage too late. four and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And, you know, they died because they hadn't been to the doctor in 12 years or something. You know, I don't go to the doctor. I'm not sick, you know, and it's yeah. that's got to go away. Like I go twice a year, no matter what. And I get all my blood checked, everything. I go through the full panel twice a year. 
And then, you know, we either adjust some things as far as, cause I take supplements every day and vitamins and stuff, mm. but as you um, should, yeah. Twice That's another thing. Day, I mean, just basic day. shit. Yeah. People don't eat enough salads and they don't take vitamins. I mean, Simple. I, I look at people like that. I mean, after everything, you know, in modern technology and medicine, what are you a Betamax? Like, I don't want yeah. to do with you at that point. Yeah. Not hard. I follow this There's one doctor called uh, Mark Hyman, and he he's a functional medicine doctor. And Mark Hyman, really, I got into more of a whole foods diet and stuff, which is very, very good for you, um, which includes meat and lots of vegetables. But it's all it's not what you're eating. It's where it's sourced and stuff like that. So you can eat beef, but you don't want to eat that garbage factory beef. You don't want to eat, eat a McDonald's hamburger. Beef. Yeah, you got to have grass fed beef. It's It's got to be the right thing, right? And small amounts and three quarters of your plate should be vegetables. You know, if three quarters of your plate is vegetables, you're in good shape. You can probably even get away with a cheeseburger if three quarters of your plate is vegetables. And by the way, French fries do not count. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, not fr that fried, hard. Fried vegetables are the, it's not the yeah, same thing. Yeah. You know, it's not well, that hard. And like I said on that podcast too, like I was sad walking around LDI because I'm looking at people that I've known for 25 years and I'm wondering, you know, you, Some of those am aren't I going to see survive. you next year? Like, you're going to drop. They're in bad shape. You know, they're just. No. And people don't. I mean, you can look in the mirror and tell yourself whether or not you got an issue, right? Yeah. People, people don't understand the concept of visceral fat and yeah. that that's a very different part of fat. Yeah. You're carrying fat and the, you know, the upper torso and pressing on those organs, you know, that, that, that stuff is going to kill you faster. Um, you know, you, you just have to buck the fuck up and exercise and eat right. And, you, you know, like for instance, I've, I've always been big on working out and, yeah. you know, and, and, and I have a new mission this year, um, you know, and thankfully, now that I've got testosterone levels sorted again, I can actually engage in it properly. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I want to be at my ultimate fittest for my 50th birthday. Good for August, you, man. Right. So I've got till August to get, I should go. Good for you. Now, yeah. I've decided that I want to take that to, you know, to that semi extreme level. So I'm, I'm in the gym every day, lifting heavy things, you know. Good for you. In pure vanity, I just want to look good naked for my wife. That's all I really give a shit about. But I, having the, have the, really the side effect of picture being in healthy my head right now. I got a bad <laughs> picture in my head Excuse right now. Excuse me while I poke Patrick. out my mental eye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but having the side effect of just being healthier in that process for that thing is great. I mean, who, well, who doesn't want to be healthier? But you don't have are, to do what I'm doing yeah. to be fit, right? It, no, it's down to diet, exercise, walk. and sleep. Diet, exercise, yeah. and sleep and getting your, getting your hormones and stuff right. So, you know, back to this testosterone thing, you know, the funniest thing I think that I've ever done in my life was the first time I had to jab myself in the ass with a, a needle, you know, for the testosterone. Oh, you're, so you're, you're doing, you're doing, I was, I, I'm not now, but I was, and you know, this is because for people that don't know about this and those particularly that are scared of needles and don't want to deal with that kind of thing, you know, it's just like if you're diabetic, you're, you're stabbing yourself with insulin every day. Um, there are, there are three, uh, ways of administering testosterone. Traditionally, there's, there's a, the, the injections that you would do 
every day. Intramuscular, whatever, which usually means in your ass or your thigh. Yeah, which, which is what I did. Which is they do they do pellets that are measured out to what you they need to get your levels to, and they basically insert that in between the muscles, usually in the in the buttocks. Um, and then there's sublingual, where you can actually ingest something under the tongue, um, and that does not work as well. Yeah, that's what I've um, always almost been told. always doesn't doesn't they, they haven't quite nailed the um that delivery method properly because it's just too difficult to do. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. You're, you're talking yeah. about the injection. No, but I mean, so you know, the doctor says, you know, you can come into our clinic to get this done every week if you want, or you can do it yourself. I was like, are you kidding? I can do this myself. And he goes, ah, Marcel, you know, it'll be a little tough. You know, it's not that easy. And I'm like, what? I just got to inject it in my ass. Right. And he said, well, a lot of people can't do their ass. So they just kind of, you know, they put their, their thigh up and they just go right into their muscle in their thigh. Right. And I was like, Fuck that. I ain't doing that. And uh, really how it works. I just remember standing in front of the mirror and trying to get like, first of all, you got to be a <laughs> trying to get a, a good purchase on my ass cheek. To get- <laughs> you got to be a contortionist to get back there. Right. And so the first time I did it, it looked like I killed a family in my bathroom. There was blood what? squirting out of me everywhere because I kept the- missing the muscle. You know, I jabbed myself in the ass and it would bleed, but I wasn't in the muscle and all this stuff. Right. So. You know, finally, well, I, I got it to work. <laughs> so this is going to turn everybody off from possibly getting this checked. Because no, this no, but, <laughs> but it's but it's good. You got to do it. No, I mean, well, so I have funny. a completely different experience yeah. with that because uh, I, I I actually also do uh, a peptide injections. Okay. Um, and so that I, I've started that recently, where I'm, I'm injecting myself every day. Uh, Particularly growing up with um, a, a grandmother who was diabetic, I would see her do her insulin every day. So oh. the concept didn't freak me out. Right? And, and and granted, having all the tattoos, clearly yeah, I'm not yeah. afraid of needles, yeah, right? Okay I've, I've stuck myself with enough needles and IVs and things over the years, you know, particularly in, in medical training scenarios. Where yeah. I, and I'm not really affected by that. But what I I, I had never done a daily injection for anything before. And even not having a fear of needles and having done all this stuff in the past, I was still very apprehensive as doing it. And, you know, it's like they, they teach you and it's very straightforward and very easy, but Mm -hmm. it's just sort of a weird thing. But I did it the first time. And of course you're about to stick yourself with a needle. You like you're, you're getting in your own head about the thing and, and kind of getting a little wigged out. And I did it. And it's like, oh, that was a non-event. It, you know, it it just happened so fast and it's so easy. It's like, oh, okay, I I guess I get it now. Being a diabetic and doing th- this part of the process of having insulin injections is really not a daunting task at all. Yeah. That no, being said, I, for the I, testosterone stuff, I did the I did the intramuscular pellet thing, and I only did that primarily because I, you know, discussing this with the doctors, um, they had said, you know, one of the the challenges is you have to do this every week, get this this shot, and it's significantly easier to travel if you're you're not traveling with that gear. And yeah, I do that. So yeah, if you I have just a pellet a, injection, I just had a little like a like an ice pack kind of thing that I traveled with and it was fine. And I had no trouble with it. Really. It was just my doctor that turned, turned it away. But I'll tell you, it was life-changing for me because 
I went from 232 pounds to what I carry now, which is 200 pounds. And I still want to lose another seven or eight pounds, but I feel so much better and I'm motivated every day to exercise. If I don't Completely exercise, I'm miserable. Different. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it, it, is, it, it is. It changes it's, your it's whole nice. chemistry. Well, as, as you guys were talking about on that, that podcast with, yeah. with uh, Featherstone and Weissman, um, you, you made it, you made an excellent point about how you, you need to psych yourself out to train yourself to look at the food in the Starbucks case as not being food. Yeah. Right. And that it, that, that it is what it is. It's a bunch of cardboard and filler and processed crap. So that once you've trained yourself to not look at that as being tasty anymore, you're looking at it as, oh uh, yeah, that's that garbage. I don't, and I don't want to put that in the engine. Honestly, that's, that's where I'm at now it. too. Like I'd rather have, you know, a nice bowl of vegetables or something than, you know, that trash at Starbucks. So, um, it took me years to get there cause I was a junk yeah, junkie, absolutely. just like everybody else. But, yep. uh, yeah, it was tough, man. So, um, no, but once you, once you get into that cycle and then you start doing that with fitness, yeah, that that's when you you start seeing some real results. You know, so that, I wanted to ask just, you. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I mean, I'm glad you're on that journey. You know, too many people in our industry are not. And, and sadly we're starting to see the impact of, of, you know, unhealthy lifestyle mixed with some stress from COVID mixed with, you know, who knows a lot. Yeah. Everything have know, done anything to right. us, you know, we're just Everybody's seeing too many a hard people time. dropping. So yeah, it's crazy back to our industry. So are you feeling sort of a shift like I had a conversation a couple of days ago with a company owner who said, Marcel, you know, he said, it's gangbusters crazy, but it's more screwed up now than it was during COVID. Oh my God. Yeah. He, he said, it's like, I'm so busy, but I've got more debt. I've got more problems. I've got, you know, more inventory. I've got higher costs. I've got, you know, Every show is so problematic. It's so hard. Everything's, he's like, I'm ready to walk away from the business. And I was if like, if I could wow. leave the business tomorrow, I, I, you'd never hear from me again. I'd be out. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is not the same fun business that it was. Yeah. It's um, very different. And as I, I've said publicly many times, I will take the shutdowns of 2020 over the recovery of 22 any day of the week. Interesting. Interesting. This recovery has been a motherfucker. Yeah. And a big part of that is due to the labor shortage and talent shortage. We lost, <laughs> they always said, take care of your crew. They're the ones that are going to make it happen. We lost so many crew members technicians mm -hmm. during the pandemic who went and you know maybe took a job at Lowe's at Home Depot they just did something else they realized two things number one they didn't need the same amount of money to live happily and number two they really enjoyed seeing their families for a change instead of being on the road because particularly for technicians um 
and, and, and local stage hand work, you're capped at what you're going to make based on your ability to be physically standing at the job. You know, designers, other people can be doing pre-production work and they're getting paid uh, to, to be able to do their work remotely or at home. And then, of course, have to show up on the site, but that's not necessarily the bread and butter of what they do. Yeah. We lost so much of that workforce permanently. You know, it wasn't a, oh, I'm just going to do this for a little while. They, you know, the same thing with, with uh, trucking. What, one of the highest problems we had coming out of the pandemic was finding truck drivers. Yeah. Couldn't get guys because they all continued to work. They just went to work for Amazon. Mm-hmm. So now they're doing regional or local runs for Amazon, they're getting paid the same amount of money. They don't have to show up at two o'clock in the morning for your loadout. Yeah. They're why would you go back to better that? benefits too? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Less but stress. Like, why would money. you go back to that? Right. Yeah. So I don't blame them, but we've lost those people. So now we're coming back. Now we're doing projects and well, who have we replaced those people with? Well, if you can find a warm body to stick in that position, they are 90% of the time untrained. They're just learning their new job on it. So you're having a really difficult time trying to get shows up and running. You've got stuff running behind, done incorrectly, uh, people breaking things inadvertently because they don't understand what they're doing. They haven't been trained appropriately to deal with stuff. And these are now all exponential costs being added to the production. On top of that, 2022, we saw this unprecedented comeback of work because it was finally truly unrestricted, no matter what it was. Mm -hmm. And every producer on the planet started their recuperation. And everybody's doing everything at the same time. So I had a, a spring that for the activity where... The, the activity was involved, and I, I don't even know how many projects we were doing, but none of them were small, and they all overlapped, and it went on for months. Yeah. And that at, at some point, you're going to hit a level of burnout across the board on your team, on your local crew. You, you know, it, that, that is inevitable. Um, you, you, you can't run 24 hour shifts, you know, loading a 36 truck show in with yeah. one group. Well, and then when you split it into two untrained groups, yeah, even worse, not exactly helping yourself yeah. through this. Well, the other thing is that our industry has never been motivated by money. You know what I mean? Like, so people don't get into the lighting business because they want to get rich. You know, they get into the lighting yep. business for the love of the art or for the love of entertainment. I'm, I'm standing in a quarter million dollar renovation. I assure you, it wasn't the lighting business that bought this. Yeah, it's yeah. all the other businesses that did. Right. No, but but the point is that last year, people made a lot more money. Most, some people made a lot more money last year, but that wasn't what they were after, <laughs> you know? So, so those things don't perfectly align or mesh together. And what no, it they did don't. is it created so much more stress. It is. It's a lot of stress. And um, unfortunately, you know, it, you can say that statement and 
an audience member listening would be easy to dismiss it as a, well, you just did it to yourself. Just, just say no, just step away. As a business owner, you don't have that luxury. You know, you, you can't just say no to the client, particularly in the heat of when things are getting really tough. Like, yeah. Um, you know, you can't just pack up your toys and go home at that point. And yeah. uh, you also have employees, you know. So, for instance, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of very large scale corporate projects last year. Um, you know, the employees at the producing companies aren't allowed to say no. Hmm. You know, that, that company has taken on all of these projects. Well, they're employees. They they got to get the job done. That's yeah. what they signed on to. You know, so what's your option? Well, I could just say fuck it and quit. Yeah. Right. Well, that's not really much of an option, right? No. You, you have to obviously no, have some sort of backup plan if you're going to do that, or you want to go work for Lowe's now, like everybody else. You know, go right. for it. And unfortunately, that's about where our conversation ended. We've had a bit of a technical problem, and we lost about three or four minutes off the end there, but. Uh, you got the gist of the conversation. Patrick's a great guy, great guest, and I look forward to having him back on again. And I appreciate you joining us today and have a great day, good week, etc. Bye.